I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. All right, so I'm excited to be here as always, always. I'm trying to get away from saying this is your favorite day. It's my favorite day, uh, Thursday, but I really can't help it. Like, my, my, Actually, let me tell you, Mr. Dr. Hudson and I were talking recently and talking about your favorite day of the week, and I was like, I really do love Thursday because even that's the indication that Friday, Saturday, Sunday is coming, so it's like time for a whole weekend turn up. Oh, um, yeah, but anyway... I am, again, always excited, always thrilled to have amazing people on the show. And today I have someone with us who is like from one of my favorite cities ever, Chicago. And I have Leslie Harris here who's just going to, you know, just be a ball of joy for us today. <laughs> Leslie, what's up? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, gosh. Likewise, I'm so excited to have you here. And, you know, in our previous conversation, we were, you know, getting a meet and greet. I was like, yo, she's bomb. So I really like her a lot. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that our family is going to really like you, too. And again, you know, I don't like to spend a whole lot of time previewing and introing. So let's just dive in. Tell us who you are, you know, a little bit more about where you're from and what it is that you do. Okay, so again, my name is Leslie Harris. I currently serve as the Interim Director of TRIO Student Support Services at Georgia Southern University, the Statesboro campus. I have been working here this summer, will make four years since I've been working here at the institution and actually four years since I've been a full-time professional. I graduated with my bachelor's in psychology in 2014 and my master's in college student personnel administration in 2016. I'm originally from the greatest city I think there is, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, after I got my master's, I decided I want something a little new, a little different. So I decided to move down south and it's been pretty great ever since. I love that. I love that. I love that. So I'm really fascinated because you said you graduated with your master's in 2016. Mm-hmm. And it hadn't even been a full four years and you're already an engine director, which means the director should be coming real soon. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean by you fast tracked your career. So how has that been for you? And again, especially being somebody who's working in trio programs and, you know, being first gen yourself and being this professional, like that's pretty bomb. Yeah. So it's been a crazy road for me. So actually... I graduated with my master's in 2016, in May of 2016. Mm. I started working here in June of 2016. And then in May of 2017, I actually got promoted up to the interim director for the first time because my director at the time left the institution. So it was really just a year for me. And when it happened the first time, it was only supposed to be for a couple months. So like they told me it would be from like June to September. But then it ended up being like a whole year and a half that I was in this position. And then a whole bunch of other stuff happened and I had to step down. But then I came right back into the position this past July. So it's been quite the road for me, but I'm just very thankful. I think I've had some really great 
mentors or supervisors that have, and even just friends that have surrounded me from undergrad to grad and now in my professional setting that have really helped me kind of be okay with that. I've always said that I was going to take the slow track to move. <laughs> so I had plans to be just a coordinator for five years and then maybe like a senior coordinator or maybe an assistant director, but I had no plans to kind of just move so quickly in my career. But I, I'm very blessed to be here. Mm. I want us to come back to, you know, what you mentioned about having the support of family and friends and, you know, just po- folks in your community, like you know, mm-hmm. peers, because I definitely want to talk to you today about community. It's something that I love that you're interested in. And, you know, the reason for this show existing has been all about community. We'll get to that. But the question I have in mind right now is with this professional transition, with the up and the down and, you know, being in one space, is there a piece of advice that you would give to these young first-gen professionals out here in these streets just to navigating their career from the early stages and being in leadership roles and, you know, again, conducting themselves in a way that is fit for them and then for the environment that they're in? So multiple things came to mind as you were talking. I think the first thing, and this is something that I've struggled with since I was an undergrad, is the sense of pride. And so working in TRIO, and this is something that I always talk to people about. I love my students and I love what I get to do. But one of the biggest barriers that I have to overcome with them is their pride. And I get it. Like, mm-hmm. I was a Black girl from the hood and I made it to college by myself. And so when I got to college, I was like, oh, I don't need nobody. I got this. I did it myself. So why do I need anyone else? But then once I started trying to navigate college and figure out the things that I needed to be successful, I realized, OK, no, I actually do need some help. And I think the same thing could be said for being a professional. I... I struggled in the beginning because I was like, whoa, this is moving too fast for me. This is not what I really wanted. Like, what is what's happening? And then again, with the whole pride piece, not wanting to always ask for help because it's like, well, I'm super young. Because at the time, the first time I was only, what, 25, 26. And so I was like, well, this is like, of course, people are going to be judging me because, you know, I'm so young. So I have to present myself a certain way. But I really had to get past that. And I had friends who were around me that were like, listen, you got to get out of your head. You got to get over that because, you know, in order for your office to be successful, you know, you have to be comfortable with getting an additional help. It was really just like them giving me the same advice that I give to my students to get out of my own way. And I've since, I like, I have no issues now. Like if I'm working on budget stuff, I hate budget stuff. If I'm working on it and, you know, I, I get stuck on a certain spot, I have no problems now with reaching out and getting some help from somebody. Because I know like, you know, there are people here to help me just like I'm here to help my students. So what I love is the vulnerability in how you have grown and evolved even with the change that have taken place. Because even for you say now, you know, got to put my pride aside because this office is put on you. And like I said, the first time, 25 or 26, that could be a lot for somebody who's again, just, you know, fresh off the degree and (laughs) still learning yourself and learning what life is like and figuring out your preferences, learning what leadership looks like beyond the textbook. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's really phenomenal that you've had that great hands-on experience, but also that you've been able to come back a second time stronger and more capable and to be less than 30 you're kicking ass like this man (laughs) goals out here like come on now and so like again but but congrats to you for that and you know continuously you know wishing you well 
just on your journey because what you're doing is major. And again, working with first generation college students who are definitely on the path and even high school students, because I know every trail program is different, but just working with those first gens period and helping them to become better versions of themselves, you know, is powerful in the work that you're doing. So let me ask you another question before we go back to the community piece. So you're from, I mean, Chicago and you yeah. say it's the greatest city, you know, that's what you say. I say Charlotte is, you know, <laughs> no beef, no, but right. So I, lo- I love Chicago. Chicago is great. I was up there, you know, not too long ago and thankfully it was warm. Yeah. So um, I definitely say this part though, what, you know, gave you the, the courage even to leave from your great state yeah. and come all the way to Georgia because it's not like it's around the corner or even within the Indiana, Illinois, mm-hmm. Wisconsin thing. You like, well, like, bye. Yeah. And again, as a first gen, that's, I mean, you moved away from home. And being that we know how it can be for us sometimes, especially coming from low-income environments, there's a a thing about us being around that just helps. And so when we leave, depending on who's looking at the situation, it's almost like an abandonment thing. Like you left, you abandoned us. So how have you been able to navigate those those feelings and those thoughts? And I mean, again, what gave you that that boost to be like, all right, I'm out, I'm going to Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> so I think I had, I first had the thought when I was an undergrad applying for grad school. I was actually applying for grad schools all over the country, mainly in Georgia and Florida and a couple in Wisconsin. But my journey to grad school is a longer one, but the short version of it, I actually ended up not getting accepted into any of the schools that I originally applied to. But the school that I did end up going to was in the state of Illinois, and I was like, okay, I'm going to stay here for two more years, but after this, I'm out of here. And I think what helped is after I got my bachelor's, I went back home for a month. And in that month, my parents were like, okay, you know, we stayed with you for this first degree, but my mama has real bad arthritis. And so she was like, I'm tired of these really cold winters. So I'm moving to Florida, but you on your own for the, this next degree. Wow. And so they moved to Florida a month after I got my bachelor's. And I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and so then I did my master's and when I was applying for jobs, I was like, okay, like, I, I want to get closer to my family because I have a brother who was a sophomore or junior, I think, at the time in high school. And so I was like, you know, I want to be closer to them so I can help him along his journey. But I still want to be able to do my own thing. So I was like, looks like Georgia it is. And I always tell my students I had plans to be in Atlanta because I wanted to be in a bigger city because, you know, from a bigger city. But that's not where I ended up. But I'm still very thankful for where I am at because I'm only I'm less than three hours from my parents, only three hours away from Atlanta. So I'm in a good spot. I'm not that far from South Carolina. Um, so I'm at a good spot where I can like eat. I love to travel, so it's nothing for me to get on my car to go. So that was kind of a helpful part for me. But I mean, transition wise, it was still very scary to kind of pack up the move and come to this new place, a small town where I know absolutely no one and not knowing how it was going to turn out. But I think I had a really great supervisor at the time because he was also young himself. So he really took me in and really helped me navigate. He's also first gen, also a trio alum like I am. So he really helped me navigate a lot of different things. I've been blessed, honestly, to interact and meet some really great people who have a similar story as me and know how to kind of to give advice and like I said, once I can get over myself and put my pride aside, it's turned out to be really good for me. So something that I'm really digging is how much you've come back to. And again, the reason that we're chatting is this idea of community at every stage and how in your transitions, there's been a person 
to help you with something. Again, talking about your supervisor with him being young, that's still a part of your community and helping you adjust professionally. Or even thinking about, again, your, your colleagues or your peers or your peers even as grad students. Anybody who's been there along the way is just giving you this sense of you belong here. Mm-hmm. Why would you say, especially being a first-gen professional, college graduate, graduate, you know, any one of those things you want, you know, you want to tie yourself in. You got to do any of them, actually. But... <laughs> Why would you say that community is important? Like, what is it to even have community? To have community to me means to have those people that you can be your most authentic self with. And Mm. so I know I always tell my students that, you know, to the outside world, we always put up a facade. No matter if we say we do or not, we always have this facade up. But to have a real sense of community with people, I mean, you can put down all the facade, you can put all of that aside and be your true self. And to have those people who, you know, it's a constant, like you feeding into them and them feeding into you. That's something that's, you know, really, it's really important to me to have people that, you know, I can uplift and that uplift me too. It's important and it doesn't have to be like a ton of people, absolutely not. It could be just a few good people. And honestly, that's what I would recommend. Just have a few good people that you know, like, hey, I know this person, this person knows me. They know like, they know how I navigate. They know like when I need my space, you know, they respect my boundaries, but they're still there for me. And I know that I can still call on them or we can call on each other. Cause I think that's also something that important like it shouldn't be just a one-way thing it should definitely be a two-way thing and always having them there whenever you need it and to have them there when you like want to celebrate so when I got Mm. into this interim position the first time I really played it down and I still play it down I'm like it is what it is but my friends are like no man like this is a big thing for you like this is great they're the ones pushing me like okay you know you say you want to go get your doctorate what you're doing when you're going back to school like just having those people there, it's important. I think the list can go on and on. Mm. As you bring people into your community, how do you also take people out of it? Ooh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to put on her head with this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know everybody who comes into your life is supposed to stay. They're not. They're not. And that is something that I have, this past couple years, I've been trying to understand. But I think, you know, we say that, you know, we're really big on vibes and energies. I think it's important to recognize how when you're around somebody, how they make you feel or if, you know, they bring a certain energy around you or like you feel as if they suck all your energy out of you when they go away. Like if things like that are happening, then, you know, maybe you should try to. I think the ideal thing to do is probably have some conversations and, you know, kind of set up some boundaries so that way you know you're not always around that person what I tend to do is just distance myself and I'm not saying it's the best thing but I'm working on it but I realize that the energy or the way I feel around somebody isn't ideal or isn't a positive type of vibe or energy I tend to kind of just step back because ultimately I'm like you know my peace is what matters and you know I want to have people around me that's going to be a benefit to me so in some ways I can sound selfish but there's no use to have people around you that's going to always tear you down but not lift you up mm. I can dig that and I think when even we say to be a benefit to you how I process that is because you also recognize you can be a benefit to them And it's a mutually beneficial situation, any relationship that we get into, because those that tend to be lopsided are the ones we get out of, (laughs) you know, like when you get into relationships, it's a give, give, give situation, like give more than you take. But I think, again, it's just understood for 
some people, because I ain't going to say it's common sense. Clearly it's not. <laughs> but um, I, I like to take on, you know, you're looking for something to get something out of it. And it doesn't have to be even that it's money or fame or anything crazy. It's just this person makes me feel good and I want this person in my life. And that's okay because that person apparently you know, feel some kind of way about you to where maybe for them, you're the person that, man, they really listen to me and I want them in my life. So since you're honest, since we are going to be honest at the end of the day, we all want people in our lives who we get something from, mm-hmm. but also recognize we can give something to. So again, I love that. Really, really love that. What would you say though has been one of the more difficult things about building community, especially as somebody who's, again, your implant to your area, young, out here getting it. So again, you have professional goals and then fighting and striking that balance between being this grown up who's on the move, but also having students who, I mean, honestly, weren't too far from your age as well. <laughs> um, especially when you grew up the first time, because that's a lot to balance. And I guess I'm saying it because I've been there. So it's like, yeah, so for you, what were some of the challenges in finding your community and what advice, you know, even to that, would you give to someone who may be struggling with some of the same things? Because for some reason, we real ambitious when we first gen, so we just yeah. do it and <laughs> do it young. <laughs> I think something for me was I uh, tend to struggle with the whole idea of like letting people in. I just always put it back to like this sense of pride that I have and this whole like journey and like you said, being real ambitious. I struggle with, with really letting people in, but I think moving here has been one of the things that's really helped me with that because, and I always tell people this, like, you know, in undergrad and in grad school, you still have the community is there, like you have to create that community, but it's a little easier because you're around these people. But as a full-time professional, it's like, oh, but I have to find my people. Developing of the relationships just look a little different. Mm. So that was kind of something for me I struggled with, really just opening up and like letting people honestly see the real me. And because again, like this, especially with how fast my journey has been, I'm like, okay, well, do I let people know that I'm struggling with understanding this? Or do I be open about this? But I've really just been challenged by my friends and be like, okay, like, you know, we're here to support you. Allow us to support you. And don't feel like you have to do this all by yourself or like you have to keep it all in. Like, you have to be open to the relationship, if that makes sense. Mm, be open to the relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It got me thinking. <laughs> um, that's something to say because... What's the point of having people in our lives if we can't be who we are with them, mm-hmm. but also allow them to help us in a way that you know, I'm going to say God needs them to help us? Yes. Or the universe or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you believe people are, I believe, sent to us for a reason. Mm-hmm. Even if that is just for like sometimes, you know, they say reasons, seasons, lifetimes that they actually don't get old. But I like the idea of staying open because then it's like, what does it mean to stay open? Mm-hmm. And I'm even going to ask you that as a question. Like for you, what does it mean to stay open? What if somebody thinks that they're actually being open, but they're not? So what would be some telltale signs? I think, so for me personally, like I'm the kind of person where I, I love being around people, especially like my people. Like that's my thing. I, I, I get energy. Like, I'm an introvert, but I also get energy from being around the people that are in my circle but whenever I feel myself kind of withdrawing from that or like not being as open to trying to like get together or trying to see my people I've now learned that I should 
realized that was like take caution and say, okay, so why am I drawing back a little bit? That's something that I've learned along this journey is you really have to learn yourself and learn how how you take things. Um, and so if I'm ever getting really stressed, I know a tell sign for me is if I'm withdrawing or if I'm not really as interactive with my friends as I can be. And then for me, I'm like, okay, then what's going on? And me personally, I'm a huge mental health advocate. I'm I'm always talking about this. Um, and so like something that I do to help me kind of stay up with all of that is I have been faithfully going to counseling every other week for the past couple years. And I have no issues talking about that. I talk about it with my students, with my staff. I'm a huge advocate of being in counseling and really getting that additional support because I mean, I think it matters. And so again, like, having someone else to talk to about that stuff and having someone else that's unbiased and can really help me recognize some of the things that I'm doing that's going back to a way that I don't want to. Mm. Yeah, I'm really digging this. <laughs> it's so vulnerable, <laughs> so transparent, but it's so complex, right? Mm-hmm. Because in the community that you've built, it's not just limited to your friends and family and to like, like your collegiate peers, mm-hmm. but the team of people like a therapist, like a physician yep. that are part of the individuals who make you well. And therapy is a really big one. I don't think that we give enough attention to therapy and counseling. I know, you know, depending on the person, you may look at it different, but I don't think that we give it enough credit for mm-hmm. what it is because of, like you were mentioning, just those stigmas that comes around, oh, it's not a bad thing. And then for you to be open about it, especially as a Black woman, I think that the modeling is really important. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, I can't tell you anything that I'm not willing to do or that I haven't experienced because it's just, I mean, a hypocrite, you know? Mm-hmm. You're telling me to <laughs> counseling, but you won't go. You're telling me to get healthy, but you won't eat right. Mm-hmm. You're telling me to sleep well, but you won't rest. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm a firm believer that in order for me to really speak to something, I have to be living it, have lived it, or am I getting... And I'm in a place to where I can come back to it. I mean, because again, I would have experience it to be able to tell you better. There's a book I was reading recently. Nice girl, sit on get the corner office. Mm-hmm. It's Lois P. Franklin who wrote it. Mm-hmm. But long story short, there's a, a story that's in there where she talks about Gandhi and the lady comes to Gandhi and she says to Gandhi, tell my son to stop eating sugar. And <laughs> Gandhi was like, well, come back in 30 days and sit the lady home. So the lady came back in 30 days and said again, you know, he's still eating sugar. He's still eating sugar. Would you please tell him to stop eating sugar? So Gandhi goes on to say, you know, young man, stop eating sugar. And the lady was like, well, why didn't you just tell him that the first time? And Gandhi replies to her by saying, well, because I, you know, couldn't tell him anything that I hadn't done. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, again, powerful because even sometimes people are telling us the world tells us to do this to be this to do that to be a certain way or even people expect for us to do things and be things that we aren't necessarily just yet but when we arrive to that can we still lead so yeah but it's interesting look story time (laughs) you're living the truth that you're projecting onto the people that you're serving you know that's how i ended up back in counseling because you know with working with first-gen students and students who come from the backgrounds that I work with here, like, you know, that stigma again, it's the whole idea of, you know, what happens in the house stays in the house. And, you know, there's this look upon therapy and counseling. And so I was talking to my students about it, like, hey, y'all should really consider going, like there's a counseling service here on campus. 
free. It's part of your tuition. You pay for it. You need to go use it. But then here I am with this insurance that also covers counseling that I'm not using. And so. Because mm, you got, I mean, again, you got the resource. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and like you, I mean, again, how often do people not have the resource and even need something? So then what is it if you not even take advantage of it? Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> got you on that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we talked a whole lot about community and just thinking about, you know, who you are, who you're becoming, what you've been. What are some of the things that you're doing to invest in yourself beyond counseling? So even professionally, reading or books or programs or groups that you're in, like what are some of the things that you're involved in that continue to help you grow? I am not as involved as I want to be. I think because of how my journey has taken me, I've just been still taking it all in, but I'm at a point now where I'm trying to do more, which is why I'm really excited to be a part of this interview to kind of help me start that track of really getting back active. So I'm looking to hopefully get back into school pretty soon, be it pursuing a degree or a certificate. I'm still keeping my options open, but I want to do that. I've been blessed to have a lot of friends around me who are also first generation, either already have earned the doctorate or are pursuing the doctorate. So having them around me, talking to them about their own journeys has really kind of let me know that that's something that I want to pursue. I don't, yeah, like I said, I'm, I haven't really been doing as much, but it's my desire to kind of start doing more. Mm-hmm. I Baby steps. Yes. And it's okay to be still. So some seasons of our life, we just need to be where we are and be okay with just being there. Because mm-hmm. when the time is right for us to move, we will. So I'm cool with that. Another question for you, because I mean, I'm, I'm always looking to add to my collection. It is one of my life's goals to have an office that's really a library. <laughs> I guess how to put that out there in the in the atmosphere now. Mm-hmm. But my husband, I've been looking at stuff because I'm like, we're going to make this happen. So <laughs> is anything that you read recently or are looking to read that you want to share with us? I'm looking to read, and I started it, but I didn't finish it. So I wanted to finish cover to cover, Eloquent Rage. I really want to read that. It's been on my list, but like I said, I just haven't allowed myself to read it. And then one of something that I do also is I do a lot of talks and works around body positivity and loving the self. And I'm trying to find the name of this book. It was another book that I started that I never finished because life... Okay, so I can't find it at the moment, but whenever I do allow myself to read something, anything that's going to help me kind of move my work around body positivity. Mm, I love that. I love that. Speaking of body positivity, looks a great time to shout out to the homies, Fat Women of Color, which is Ivy Felicia and Plus Size Magic, who would be Elise Antoinette, both Black women who are doing incredible work around body positivity. I encourage anybody who's also looking into that space to check them out because they're dope and making moves internationally. So really great platforms to be connected to when people are doing all, you know, research and presenting. So I mean, like, yeah, so I'm glad you said that because again, there's opportunity there, right? Yes, ma'am. Good stuff. Well, all right. But my, my favorite question of all the questions he asked since we had a point where we wrapping it up and I'm like, man, we could probably, we could talk all day because I love perspective. Uh, <laughs> I really do love perspective. So what is the, the one thing, the thought, the word of advice, the quote, you know, the wisdom, any of that that you'd have to leave us with to chew on for the rest of our lives? Ooh, that's a good question. (laughs) I would say it would be to get out of your own way and to be open to the possibility of anything. And so my, my journey has gone completely different than what I expected it to. And 
even now as I sit here and I go through this interview just reflecting on where I started and where I'm at now you would have asked me 10 years ago did I see myself doing this very thing or you know being here with what I have I would have told you absolutely not and so I'm very thankful for the opportunity to be here and so I would say just be open to the possibility and to stay ready because you just never know Mm, 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 mm. I um, appreciate you for putting yourself out there and for your willingness to do something outside of your comfort zone, such as, you know, coming onto the show and, and being a part of this community and for sharing your wisdom because it is a community for us and how we all grow and become better is by helping each other. So that's why I love the stories and I love talking to each of you about what you've been through, what you're going through now and how we can continue to move forward as a family. But again, Leslie, thank you for your time, for your for your wisdom, for the work that you're doing to change the lives of other first gens who are, you know, coming along. <laughs> you know, we, we appreciate, you know, what you're doing and continue to wish you well in every endeavor ahead. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of talk today and like I said, reflect on my own journey. And I look forward to doing some more work. Yeah, you got a lot of work to do. <laughs> I said, look, hey, we, we, we got it. We got it. All right, until the next time.